Hey, Christy. Yeah, Leslie. What do you get if you divide the circumference of a pumpkin by its diameter? Uh, is it a pumpkin pie? Yes! Uh, <laughs> nice. So good. I get two points. <laughs> Hi, I'm Christy, a backyard gardener from Colorado. These days, gardening has gotten very popular. And my friends and I have noticed more and more people picking our brains for tips and troubleshooting about gardening. We're not experts. We just learned a lot about gardening from the mistakes we made along the way. So welcome to Upside Down Tulips, a fun podcast that celebrates gardening gone wrong. Upside Down. Hello, gardeners. And wannabe gardeners. And fans of the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, yes. I, that's right. They What a great game. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That was the, I, I, of course, am a Green Bay fan, but I also support the Minnesota Vikings. I think I lost three lives watching that game last week, but it was good. Oh, that was probably, oh, I think that was the best game all season so far. Yeah, it was wonderful. Oh, real nail biter. <laughs> Well, anyway, congratulations to your Minnesota Vikings. Thank you. I worked really hard on it. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I noticed, Christy, that when I came up today, your beautiful aloe plants were not in the window. What's going on there? Well, I'm getting my whole living room painted. Ah. Getting ready for Thanksgiving. So um, I moved all my plants into my guest bedroom. And so there's kind of like a little mini jungle in there. Well, how did how did that go? They're doing okay, I think. I mean, they've got a lot of sun. And and from your advice last week about when you move your plants, I explained to them what was happening. I said, this is just temporary. We're going to be in this room for a little bit, and you're going to get sun. And I gave them all a nice drink of water. And I said, then you're going to come out, and you're going to. it's all going to be beautiful in the living room as it gets repainted. That's awesome. So we'll, hopefully that'll – yeah, I talked to them. That's, Let them know what's going on, like I, your friend Rose said last week. I think she has something there. Yeah. Oh, but I have to tell you the story. Okay. So um, I was explaining to the um, guy who's painting our living room that we're going to be recording down here. We're going to be recording this. And he goes, oh, well, what are you recording? And I said, well, we're and I'm recording a podcast, so if you please be quiet. And he goes, oh, well, what's your podcast about? I said, well, it's about gardening. He goes, oh, what's it called? I said, well, it's called Upside Down Tulips. And then he kind of paused and he went, wait a minute, you're Christy. And he listens to the podcast. What? That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? <laughs> <laughs> and then I got all shy and like, yeah, that's me. And, you that's know. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I should be looking at my notes here, Leslie. I oh, know. that's right. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Are you cooking? I don't cook. I'm, uh, as I said, I'm the anti-gardener. I'm also the anti-cook. Oh, so, so what are you uh, doing? Well, um, usually Steve does the turkey or whatever we're going to do. Uh-huh. Um, but we, we lately have been using those, um, like just turkey breasts because mm, mm -hmm. they're just easy to cook. There's only the two of us, although Olivia will be with us, but, um, it's just easy and he does it. So I don't have to. And Olivia will do all the side dishes. Oh, well, so, she really, yeah, oh, she loves to do all her. that stuff. She likes to do the yams and she likes to do the only thing they make me make is my, uh, green bean casserole. Oh, and, and by mine, I mean, everybody's green bean. Yeah. Casserole. The Campbell soup can recipe. Exactly. Yes. You know why I mess with it? It's just pretty perfect. It's perfect. And Olivia loves it, so I make it every year. So that's you the only thing I have to do. So are you 
cranberry sauce from the can or do you make your own cranberry sauce? Well, if I cooked, I would make my own cranberry sauce. But since I don't, <laughs> I get it from the can. And I honestly think I'm the only one who eats it. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we always name the turkey every year. You do? Yeah, we do. <laughs> you name it and then eat it? Yeah, we name it after the biggest turkey of the year. Last year, I'm sorry, I know you're a Green Bay Packer fan, but last year the turkey was Aaron Rodgers. Well, I I may not disagree with you there because, yeah, yeah. I had my issues. I had my own issues. So with- we stuffed him, we ate him, and I made soup from his bones. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your turkey's going to be this year? I have not decided yet. Do you have any suggestions? Ah, the biggest turkey of the year. Hmm. A lot of choices. There are. I can't I can't think of anything offhand. Well, I decide I decide when I put the turkey in the oven, that's when I decide. So oh. I will let you know. Okay. And yeah. now, you know, I would say this is it, you know, friends, we um to this week we're talking about gardening for dummies, newbies, Leslie, and you. <laughs> because we thought it would be fun to plan Leslie's 2023 garden. So we have Brittany Pimental from Denver Urban Gardens. We'll share our interview with her to help us get excited about our 23 garden. She's awesome. Oh, it was great interview. Yeah. Um, my garden right now, it's officially done. Now it's really, really, really done. Well, it's under a blanket of snow. We finally got our first snow. Got our first snow. And it took, it was a long fall. Yeah. But it snowed and now it's officially over, which is kind of nice. I love it. Yeah. Um, and Leslie, you have a you have a you brought a guest with you today, right? I did bring a guest. I brought um, my cactus. I have not named my cactus, I, and um, he seems to have some kind of I don't know what that is. Some some kind of I I don't know if it's a fungus or I he's I don't like, know, but he looks kind of like he's dying. He's in a little plastic pot, yeah. and he's maybe about like. Maybe like six inches tall. Yeah. And he's also what I love this too is got that one that little um what is this? Is this a fake this little it's, orange thing? It's, it's a fake flower. Fake flower on the <laughs> side of it, but half of it is brown. Yes. And I don't know what that is. So as my mother used to take my plants to my grandma's house that she called the plant doctor, I have brought him to you as you are my plant doctor. Oh. Well, I'm gonna say probably the first thing, Leslie, is that you need to name this cactus. That's probably why he's not doing well. Oh. I'm going to guess. Well, I don't know. You, named anybody got an idea? An idea for my little cactus? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> sticky? Well, sticky. Oh, I like sticky. <laughs> he is kind of sticky. Yeah. So I'm going to have to do a little surgery on him. I'm going to pop him out of his pot. Oh. It's, but that, ow. Okay. Oh, oh yeah, because he is very sticky. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can. Sticky the cactus. I'm just going to tip him over. Now, how often do you water this cactus, Leslie? Well, here's the thing. I think my husband waters him sometimes. Um, and I can't reach my finger into the soil because he's so sticky. Yeah. I can't get to the soil. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe once every weekish. But then I don't know if my husband is also watering him once Uh-oh. every week. Yeah, I popped him out and he's pretty moist. Uh-oh. And so my guess about this, this is what's interesting about cactus is that um, one of the worst things you can do is to overwater. Oh, no. It's actually better to underwater a cactus than to overwater it. If you're unsure, don't water it. It's different than a lot of other house plants because a cactus will just keep taking in the water. Oh, really? Just like they do in the desert. They just won't stop. And so what they'll do is they can get, um, they can start to rot 
oh, from no. the inside. Oh, no. And um, so I've been kind of like, you're starting to notice going brown. Um, I would recommend this with sticky is do not let it dry out. Let it completely dry out. Um, you may have to even pop them out. You may also want to consider, Leslie, like right now it's a little plastic pot. Uh-huh. You got the same size pot, but got a terracotta pot. Oh. Because the terracotta pot will draw some of the moisture oh. out and help like wick it away if it gets too much. Okay. And the last thing I would say to do to this, I wonder if it's possible to save it. It's bad. It's it's yeah. all over. I would I would not water it and keep me posted if okay. it starts getting more brown. Because this green part here at the top. That looks healthy, right? It looks good and we could always cut that out. When you when you say cut it out, do you mean like just lop it off? Lop it off, and then what would I and do? And then let it dry out for a couple of days, yeah, and then stick it in some a potting medium and see if it'll take root. So it could actually maybe grow more roots. Yeah, that's very interesting. So good luck, sticky. Oh, sticky. <laughs> oh, sticky. All right. Okay. So friends, if you um. Uh, or ever interested in joining our garden party and helping upside down tulips stay alive and not turn it to a, a rotting cactus. <laughs> oh no. Then please throw us a couple <laughs> bucks a month by joining the garden party. You'll see a link in the show notes and you can get nice, um, a nice uh, treats by doing that. Depending on what level you're at, you can get seeds from my garden or you can get an upside down tulips mug or a t-shirt. I love my mug. I have a mug. Thank you. You get our undying gratitude. Um, and also, we always usually have merchandise on sale. So if you want to click on the link in the show notes for that. Awesome. And now we're going to have a pod play where we're going to bring back the ever-lovable Phoebe with Phoebe's Choice Moist Soil. Ever wonder why gardeners are so gosh darn happy? I love weeding. My plant died. Oh, well... I'll just plant something new. It's because scientists have identified a microbacterium-founded soil that improves brain function and increases serotonin and therefore makes you happy. Hi, it's me, Phoebe, the celebrity stylist and influencer who brought you Phoebe's Phenomenales and Phoebe's Fashion. I always have my manicured finger on the latest trends and hottest fads. If you want the mood-boosting benefits of toiling in the garden without all the digging, pulling weeds, hoeing, and raking, you should try Phoebe's Choice Moist Soil. My Choice Moist Soil features real moist soil that has been toiled by a real gardener with joy in her heart and happiness in her joints and her loins. Oy. Made with thousands of living organisms of only the best bacteria, fungi, algae, and protozoa, archaea, and actinomycetes, including a wide variety of mites, nematodes, earthworms, ants, and insects. I don't know about you, but I'm getting tingly. Ooh, talk dirty to me. Just add water and apply Phoebe's Choice Moist Soil all over your body, and you'll be as happy as a pig in sh- Mud. That's the way I like it. Quick and dirty. Plus, Phoebe's Choice Moist Soil has so many other uses. Add to your houseplants, make some pottery, or pour into a nice bowl of potpourri. So, get your hands dirty and hoist a bag of Phoebe's Choice Moist Soil into the trunk of your Toyota today. 
Phoebe's Choice Moist Soil is for recreational purposes only. Do not use Phoebe's Choice Moist Soil with more than any one person at any one time, unless everyone is fully vaccinated and are consenting adults. Comes with complimentary breath mints. Believe me, you'll need them. All right, Leslie, let's dig into our main topic of the day. Today, friends, we are chatting with our friend from Denver Urban Gardens, Brittany Pimentel. If you folks remember, we talked with Brittany way back in episode 81 on why you should join a community garden. Denver Urban Gardens is a nonprofit network of community gardens. It offers resources, classes, social opportunities for all ages, as well as providing access to seeds and seedlings. And Brittany is the Equity and Food Access Director, and she leads Denver Urban Gardens Grow a Garden program. Brittany, welcome back to Upside Down Tulips. Thanks so much. It's lovely to be here. Well, we're excited to chat with you today with a topic we're calling Gardening for Dummies, Newbies, Leslie, and Everyone Else. (laughs) (laughs) But first, I think I'd love to know how your garden went this year. Here it is. It's November. We got our first snow on the ground. The 2022 garden is over. How was it? It was good. Every season is just so different. Um, And so this one really stretched on quite a long time, right? It kind of had a late late frost. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I was a little bit, I had some failures that I rebranded into successes and I'll tell you what I mean by that. But, um, I think we've chatted before. I think in March, I've told you how one year I did like planted 15 tomato plants in my small front yard garden. It was a little too much. And so I think sometimes, um, I I actually planted six tomato plants, but only four of them were really healthy and producing. Um, I had the same issue. None of my squash came up. But then I finally, I kind of found myself a little bit off the hook, like mid-season when harvesting was coming around, because I didn't have all of the, usually I'm kind of in a frenzy, you know, my counters are totally full with all the produce. And it's a little bit stressful of like, I, you know, before, before things start to turn, I got to turn this into something. And so I actually felt a lot more freedom and just having a simpler garden this year, just because of whatever, so many factors, circumstance. Um, so it was a little bit disappointing when, you know, a few things didn't, didn't turn out. Um, but then it was sort of nice having just a little bit more spaciousness at the the height of the season. So that was, that was how my garden was. I can relate to that because I had uh, so many tomatoes coming in at the end and I still have tomatoes in my attic right now that it became, it becomes overwhelming about what to do with everything. Yeah. So this was the first year that I really got, um, it was very well paced. I, everything that I harvested, I was able to integrate in a really nice way. And so that actually felt really good. That's nice. Now, see, now, Leslie, you may not understand this problem, but someday you will. Someday, I hope, you know, as you know, from the tomato plants I had last year, or um, I didn't even have any this year, but last year I got one tomato, one tiny tomato, and it was delicious. Brittany, share with us, please, for all the newbie gardeners out there, do you have like one piece of advice you would give to somebody who's sitting here in November and they're thinking, you know what, I want to start a garden in 2023? Yes. Um, I sort of have a two-pronged answer, so I hope you'll allow me to <laughs> to go into a little, a little bit of ground here. But um, as we were talking kind of pre-show, Leslie was sharing with us that she's got a a black thumb is what she called it, you know, kills all the plants, you know, doesn't keep anything alive. And I hear this so much of people tend to place them into these categories really early on of like 
green thumb or black or brown thumb or whatever. Um, when actually I feel like it's more of a kind of spectrum and a, a black, a black thumb is I kind of on the path to getting a green thumb. If you, if you're learning oh. how to kill plants, you're, you're doing it right. And you're, um, you're figuring things out as you go along, even if you're not realizing it, you're saying, Oh, plants need water right now. You have more information to go into that next oh plant with. Um, just very basic things that I think we're not even really aware that we're kind of building all this baseline knowledge. Because basically what we're learning to is how not to kill plants. And you just learn that over time through trial and error. So the piece of advice that I would give to people, and this is for me too, um, is to just simplify your garden and to really set the bar pretty low because you want to have it's you really need some sustaining success throughout the gardening season the gardening season even though we're in a climate that it's not terribly long it is still kind of long <laughs> it stretches on or it can given certain um things with the weather or, or so, such um and so i think just having things really simple not adding in so much complexity in the beginning i think sometimes we get really big eyes. We see all the seed catalogs. We want to turn the dial from zero to a hundred immediately. Um, and that's just not the way that we learn to build anything. And so I like to, to tell folks to just start with a really solid foundation, maybe not do more than five things in your first year. And then I, I try not to change things up more than three things a year. And that's either new vegetables or new techniques. I try to just keep it really simple. And again, I, I set those parameters because I need those boundaries myself. I'm also guilty of this and I want to do everything immediately. Um, and so I think gardening is kind of a long-term hobby. Like everything you learn in a season, you have to wait an entire new, another season to implement it. Um, and so I think just starting out simply setting yourself up for success and not trying more than three new things a year are great places to start. Well, that's good. That's fantastic. Okay. So I have, I have a question about my tomatoes. So um, I had two big pots two years ago with my two tomato plants in them. And um, I, I would like to do that again. Can I use those same pots to do tomato plants again? Or do I have to like take all the dirt out and put in new dirt? Um, can I just pull up the dead? I mean, they're, they're long yeah, gone dead. It depends on a few different things. Um, okay. Do the pots that you have, did they have good drainage? Uh, does that mean like holes in the bottom? Holes in the bottom. Yeah. Does yes. it let something to let the water out? Okay. Yes. And then I'm only going to dig a little bit deeper because you said you only got like one tomato on some of the plants and that's pretty atypical. Well, it's only because I started so late that, and I only started because I was listening to Christie's podcast and I'm like, I can do that. So, but, and, and I had, they had these yellow flowers all over them. And then we had a, that massive frost and I tried to wrap them up as best I could. And anyway, they did not survive. So that's yes, why. You're still right. Know. The timing is, is crucial, especially with tomato plants because they have, they need such a long time to produce. Um, so I would say it just depends on the soil that you have in the pots currently. Um, some people like to use a soilless mix in pots because it adds different um it holds air and water in different ways because pots tend to drain and lose their moisture quicker than plants that are in the ground. Um, and so a soilless mix can help. Um, okay. I think there's, there's several different, you know, thoughts on this. Some people like to say, get fresh soil every single year. Um, again, it's soil less. So it's not like the same type of living soil that you'll find inside of uh, the soils maybe in an at-grade garden bed. And so there's just some differences baseline. Um, if Did you say you have two pots? Yes, they're two big uh, pots. 
I might invite you to experiment, like maybe change out the soil in one, see if it does anything. And then that'll give oh. you really good information to see next year. If you need to go through the hassle of changing everything out, if it really did impact the different qualities, right? Like I like to be a mad scientist in my garden and just like, you know, really try different things. Um, and I think that's your opportunity to do that. Um, and so that's my, what I might recommend. Um, if you have, you know, good drainage. And then the other thing I would just say to folks maybe listening is um, with with tomatoes, especially, you really want to make sure that you have deep enough containers because the root system is quite complex. Mm. And so if you have a shallow container, that could also be a reason why maybe your, your tomatoes don't produce or they end up getting prone to disease because you're just not giving them enough room. Um, it's really amazing with tomatoes, especially, but just to see the difference across plants that one seed can produce and like a tomato can produce a jungle of a of plant, you know, and create up to 40 pounds of tomatoes off of one plant, depending on the variety and a few different things. And so um, I think that's just information that if you haven't grown tomatoes before, you just might not know. Um, we're so accustomed to just getting our um, produce from the grocery store and they come by the tomato, right? So you don't really have a sense of what the plant that grew it really is like. And so, um, yeah, those would be some of my recommendations, recommendations to do with your, um, tomatoes is yeah, start an experiment. And if I could Ooh. just add on to that is, um, Leslie, you, you planted a cherry tomato, right? Yes. They were the little baby, the little roundy tomatoes. Yeah. And I think when you go to the nursery to go buy a plant, just make sure you're buying something that's good, that's appropriate for containers. So they'll say in the nursery, this is great for containers. And so it'll fit that pot really yep. well. And one of the code words that is helpful is the, the variety will usually be labeled like patio. If you see patio, oh. anything, that's a good indicator that it's, it's kind of bred for container growing. Um, and so it makes sense once you, you, once you hear that, right. Cause it's supposed to be maybe grown on your patio, but um, yeah, typically that's like more of a dwarf variety of whatever plant you're getting. Uh, what else, Leslie, do you hope to have in your garden next year? Well, my friend, Kathy, she, um, she, on her patio, uh, she had about five basil plants, and because uh, and I only know because she was telling me, "Oh, I gotta harvest all the basil because there's gonna be a frost." And I thought, "What? Well, that's a good idea. I love basil." And she like uh, she made pesto, and then she like big batches of pesto, which she did not offer me, by the way. <laughs> And uh, hey. she put them in her freezer and I was like, I didn't want to say like, well, can I have some? But I really wanted to say that. And so I'm like, well, she didn't offer. So I'm going to have to grow my own. And and since I don't really have anywhere to grow stuff, you know, I don't have a ground that I can like, you know, build a garden. I I need to do it in pots. But she seemed to be successful. Um, but I didn't ask her what she did. I just know that she grew them. Well, so this sounds like you're growing some revenge basil since your friend didn't share. Yes. Okay. I am. Um, revenge that's, basil. That's, awesome. that's what I'm going to call it from now on. Yeah. That's so cool. And so I guess I just wanted to talk a little bit more broadly about container garden, because I think it's so useful. And especially where we're living, it, you know, we're becoming a denser city here in Denver. Um, more apartment complexes are growing up. And so sometimes people don't just don't have the access to a space outside to grow, but they still, that shouldn't stop you from still having a garden. And I think lots of folks can have very successful patio gardens, but there are some key differences 
differences. So one of the things that I mentioned is about the soil and then also as it relates to um, it drying out quicker. And so what that might mean is that you have to water your patio garden perhaps a little bit more than you would have to water an outside garden. So it's just helpful to know so that you can set yourself up for success with that. Um, but I think there's a lot of benefits to having a patio garden um, versus an outside garden. So first of all, if you're planning outdoors and you know Mother's Day is kind of like that that average day for planting that we're, we're not going to get any frost, but we all know that that's a lie sometimes. <laughs> and um, so with a patio container garden, you can just bring your pots inside super like, so we would, we don't have that opportunity to just bring our entire garden plot outside inside. And so I think that can be one of the huge benefits, especially early in the season or later in the season, you can really help, you know, kind of save and baby those plants a little bit more. Cause you can, in some ways, um, direct the temperature exposure. Um, so with basil specifically and a ton of other herbs too, but I love that you're starting with basil. Basil is great to grow in containers. Um, and also it's a really good complementary herb to tomatoes. They work really, really well together. Um, and what I mean by that is we, we talk about some like integrated pest management and I don't like stay with me here. Um, but essentially what that means is we want to, we, we support organic growing principles at Doug, right? So we don't want to be, um, utilizing synthetic fertilizers or chemicals on our garden because we just want to kind of mimic what nature is doing and nature kind of is this harmonious balance that, that can exist. And so one of the ways to do that is to invite different things to your garden. Biodiversity is your friend, meaning like you want to have a lot of different things present, even flowers, even if they just make you happy, but they're going to invite pollinators. They're going to attract beneficial insects. They're also going to repel some bad insects that you don't want there, which is super cool. And so if you think about it, any, any herb, anything that has a really strong smell, which herbs tend to have, right? Like you just rub them and, and they have a really um, pungent odor. Oftentimes those are the ones that are going to really, again, attract or repel those insects so that you kind of, the whole health of your garden is a little bit better. Um, so I think it's great to inter interplant herbs alongside of your annual vegetables. Um, because again, there's just a really cool relationship that exists as it relates to other things kind of in the ecosystem. And I was going to add on to that, Brittany, that in terms of experimentation, Leslie, I would recommend that you get a packet of seeds and that you buy some herb some basil seedlings oh. and see how they do. I, I grow herbs in the, I grow basil in the ground in my vegetable garden and I oh. grow it in pots. And the one, the ones I grow in pots in a terracotta pot, they always do better. Mm, I don't know why, but, and, but I have to water them more, but they really do fantastic. Does that have to be a big pot too? Like the, my my two tomatoes are really big pots. Do I need a big pot for that? Yeah, you, you can get away with something shallower, but I mean, depending, basil can get quite big. So I'd be curious what the size of your pot, uh, Christy. I would say maybe it was like eight inches. Oh, okay. And yeah. you know, like a terracotta, maybe like, yeah, eight inches deep. Mm -hmm. I threw some seeds in there. It was fantastic. I love the experimenting with the seeds versus the transplants. Um, one of the other things that um, we talk about or that I practice personally is sort of um, 
pinching off the early shoots of the basil. And so again, I don't want to overwhelm you, but this is something that again, you can um, experiment with, right? Maybe do it on one basil plant and, and leave the other one alone. Um, but essentially it kind of feels wrong to do because you have these beautiful little, you know, basil leaves that are popping up and then you kind of just like pinch them off. The very top you mean off the very top? The very top. Yeah. Maybe it's like a cluster of four is kind of how they grow. Okay. One direction. You'll maybe just, you know, you can either clip it or just pinch it right off. And what that will do is it will actually encourage bushier growth on the plant overall, which is what you want because you eat the leaves of the plant. Um, and so if you don't do that perfectly fine, I think you'll just notice that you, you, you lack a little bit of that bushiness in it. And it's going to get a little bit leggy. What we call is like the stems are very long and maybe just more like palm trees. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about what I might recommend for basil. That, that is difficult for me. I'm learning to pinch off like uh, the yellow leaves and stuff. And it always makes me like, I'm sorry, I have to take this leaf off. It's yellow. I'm sorry. You know, and so I'll I'll uh, I'll just tell my my basil plant, I'm, like, I'm sorry, I have to take the top four. I'm sorry. Great. There's actually studies about talking to plants that like they can really be receptive. So I think if you're saying like you're giving them tough love. Like, I'm so sorry. Or, or thanking them when you're harvesting. I really try to talk to my plants a lot more. Um, it can be really cool. Cause I mean, in, in reality, you are in a relationship with these plants that you're caretaking mm. for and you, you're around them a lot. And so, yeah, I, I encourage that conversation fully. Yes. Christy knows I beg all my plants to live. That's basically what I say to them every day. Hello, live, live. <laughs> yeah. So Oh, what about zucchini? Leslie, you talked about wanting to grow zucchini, right? I did, but I thought that that's impossible to grow in a pot. It's impossible, right? It's got to have a lot of room, right? I don't know. Gosh, I might, I've heard of people growing different squashes in pots. And the reason for that is because zucchini is kind of like a big bushy in terms of its leafage, whereas other um, squash are vining. And so I don't know if on your patio, you have any... um, like deck or space that it could kind of grow up in terms of like a fence or anything? I have like a wall. It can kind of, you know, like, um, you know, just a brick wall. Can it grow up a wall? Or would I have to put, I've you seen that, of- like, I've seen that lattice stuff that, that I see that in the, um, you know, people have lattice. I could, mm-hmm. could I lean that against a wall and use that. You could. The only thing is eventually most squashes get really heavy, um, oh. even if they're small, because so eventually you're going to need to build in some type of enough support to where they could sustain the melons. Um, but yeah, I invite you to just experiment again. I, I personally um, haven't grown a ton in containers, but and I think, yeah, for zucchini specifically, that might be one where you just tell a, a neighbor, every gardener has extra zucchinis at the right time of the year. <laughs> so, I know, I tell that to Christy, but she, she didn't have zucchini this year. I had yeah. terrible luck with zucchini this year. Brittany, I my plant grew too. What? It's embarrassing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and Edith, she didn't grow any either. And our other podcast host, Karen, had... Terrible luck with zucchini this year. And I don't know if it's going on in our neighborhood, but. Interesting. Hmm. Well, I do think, um, Leslie, look for patio zucchini. I grew a patio zucchini once in the ground. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it was so nice and compact and it didn't take over the whole yard. I actually, I really loved it. And I, was, I have one of those long boxes, you know, that's just been out in my backyard. I would say super I mean, deep too, because a zucchini has okay. a big taproot. 
And I realized it too when I pulled up and I was taking it in my garden and I pulled up the zucchini plant and I would say the root must have been, it was over a foot. Don't you think, Brittany, they're long? Yeah. Yeah. They need to be strong, long roots. Um, but yeah, I think that's great. Um, I don't know if a ball zucchini, I'm just thinking, have you ever seen the ball zucchini? I don't know if that's a patio, oh. one, but, oh. but, but yeah, look for the patio ones. I'm sure you could find a fun variety that could still give you what you need. Oh, that sounds so exciting. I like science. I like this idea of science Yeah, totally. So now, uh, Leslie, we've got tomatoes, basil, and zucchini in your garden. What else do you want to grow next year? I wanted to grow mint. Everybody tells me, uh, I, but I mean, everyone has it like in their garden, in the ground. And they're like, oh, yeah, you can't kill mint. Oh, I've killed mint. I've killed it many times. I'm with you, Leslie. I've also killed a lot of mint. And I'm like, why? You know, what is the deal here? But um, also mint spreads like crazy and its root system over time can be really hairy. And so it might be a blessing that you're you're starting off in a in a pot. Okay, um, so there's lots of different types of mint. Again, I would really, you know, go with what you like in terms of the particular type. If you want it for, you know, maybe a cocktail or something, like there's just different kinds to play with. Um, and so that is a really fun, just, you know, sensory experience to shop for different herbs. Um, but yeah, I think you'll have a lot of success growing it in a pot. One of the things that people actually recommend for ensuring that it doesn't take over your garden is, is, is growing it in a pot and then burying that in your garden so that you keep the root structure. Bury the pot? Bury the pot so that it doesn't you know, it doesn't ever expand in terms of the roots outside of the pot. So that can be an amazing idea. It's it's wild. Um, So anyway, those are, those are a few things, but mint is, I think would be a, another great um, addition to your little patio garden. Okay. I think I'm going to keep it simple. I think I'm going to stick with those. I think I had four, right? I'm going to, I'm going to stick with those four. Oh, I can't wait, Leslie, to see how it all turns out. Uh, Brittany, what's happening at Denver Urban Gardens these days? Yeah, thanks so much for asking. Um, we have an end of the season celebration around gratitude, um, and it's for specifically activities to do with young children. So if you're a caregiver or if you're an educator, it'd be a great, it's a virtual workshop. It's on November 30th, and you can sign up and view all of our upcoming events at doug.org events, and Doug is D-U-G. Um, And then we also are in the um, season of giving. We have um, a a giving campaign coming up around Colorado Gives Day. Um, And then we just released a video that's really lovely. And it's all around um, gardens as spaces of cultivating hope. And so we interviewed a lot of our gardeners, our garden leaders. We have a really lovely video on our webpage right now that I really encourage you to check out. Um, because I think what we've noticed for, you know, supporting gardens is we're really building community. And oftentimes people just need a space that is is hopeful um, and something positive for the future. And I think gardens can really be that. And so you can find out more on our website, doug.org slash donate. And you can see that Cultivating Hope video. It's really lovely. Um, and then lastly, we have a program that is super geared toward beginners. So Leslie, if we didn't already just, you know, totally garden plan you, I would point you there. But if any other listeners are interested in starting a garden, they don't know where to start. I think our Grow a Garden program can be a fantastic resource. And that program is really threefold. The website and applications open for it on February 1st. But it's essentially a place where you can get connected to seeds, seedlings, and then education on how to start your garden. And the really cool feature of that is we started developing these 
um, grow garden kits. So you can choose one of five kits. Um, so one is for a salsa garden, for example. So it gives you everything you need to create like salsa um, or a pizza garden, things that you would want to put on a pizza or a, a really epic salad garden if, you, if you're a big salad person. And then the thing that I feel like is really the most helpful is it really gives you a place, a picture um, a design layout for where to put everything in, in your garden, if you're, if you're growing in a plot. Um, and so I think it can just really help folks understand different things like, um, spacing in between plants. Um, it kind of talks about how to set your soil up and it's a, a bilingual resource in English and Spanish. And so we just think that's a really great tool for the beginning gardener. It's also really geared toward gardening in Colorado. And so all of the specifics that kind of go in with our weather and some of the best practices. Um, and so if that is interesting to you, you can find out more at our website, doug.org slash grow a garden. Um, and again, those applications launch in February, February 1st. Now's the time where we dream about the next garden, right? Totally. And rest. I've been really just like <laughs> sure. enjoying the seasons because they just like there's nothing to do in the garden right now. It's really just like letting it all kind of hang out, yeah. get a little messy. It's just like permission to be a mess, I think. But um, yeah, just to kind of rest and rejuvenate and uh, and prepare for the next season of growth. Well, friend, we'll put links to um, Denver Urban Gardens in the show notes. And also, if you don't live in the Denver metro area, we'll also put links on how you can access the community garden that's near you. Hope you come back again, Brittany. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. And because we had our first snow of the year, let's bring back a pop play that we love so much. It snowed. It snowed. It is hanging in the trees, blanketing the ground, covering up all the outdoor projects left undone. The neighbors will forget I didn't clean up those old squash vines. Under a covering of snow, all gardens become equal. It snowed. As each snowflake fell, nitrogen hitched a ride to give my garden a gentle fertilizer to boost my plants this spring. Some of it rests on the sidewalks, inviting me to get outside and breathe in the clean, crisp air and give it a shovel. It snowed. Under that cozy comforter of white, the roots of my perennials, bulbs, ground covers, and strawberry plants are protected. And forsooth, my forsythia too. It snowed, protecting my trees and shrubs with winter's mulch. Mother Nature at work. It snowed and the snow helps conserve the soil's moisture over the winter. It snowed, and I can put my mind to reading, and cooking, and cleaning out closets, and children and football, and a cozy night in front of the fireplace, and memorizing my lines for a play, and poring over seed catalogs, because it snowed. Thank you, Brittany. Isn't she amazing? She's amazing. And she looks like she's 15 years old. I know. I know. She's so young. I was like, in my head, I was thinking, is this her first job out of college? Boy, that's a, that's a pretty big job. She's so knowledgeable. I love that revenge basil. It, listen, I'm, I'm all for revenge basil. I'm all in. Um, although I did have one question that mm -hmm. I was too afraid to ask during the interview because I was afraid I would sound really dumb. So I'm going to ask you, 
uh, she kept talking about soil-less. And I'm like, is oh. that less of the soil? Like, what is that? I don't know what that is. Um, it is different than the, the soil you find in your garden. And so um, you certainly can use soil directly from your garden to start seedlings or for indoor plants or for your containers next year. But if you use garden from your soil, it'll have two major disadvantages, which is one, it might have disease or fungus, Ooh. bacteria. It can contain weed seeds. And when you're out in the, your garden, when you're gardening in the earth, you'll have natural predators or the weather will help tamp oh. those down. Also, soil directly from your garden lacks drainage. Oh. So um, garden soil tends to be somewhat more heavy and without tailing or either by you or by earthworms or other insects, it can get a little compact. Okay. So it's a good idea for indoor plants, for starting seedlings, for container gardens to use soilless soil, which is a medium. It's a cleaner medium that gives you more control because it's free of pests and disease. And it has more airspace. Okay. Is that the the soil that has like those little white like balls in yeah, it? Yeah, you got it. Okay. So that's considered soilless. Yeah. it's The most common ingredient is going to be sphagnum peat moss, which is a, it's lightweight and it's an organic material that's thousands of years old that they mine in Europe. And there's a great big peat bog in Canada. Um, okay. But also people are starting to use... Uh, I think it's pronounced koi or kor, C-O-I-R. Oh. Like Phoebe's Choice Moist Soil, koi. Oh. And it is a coconut fiber. So people will use that instead. Um, or, and people will also use perlite. And that's that white pebble stuff that looks like styrofoam. Okay. But it's a natural volcanic mineral. And they'll also use vermiculite. You can buy this in your big box stores at your local nursery, which is, of course, we recommend. You can also make your own soilless mix out of peat moss, um, like one-third peat moss, one-third perlite, and one-third compost. Oh, I'll I'll probably buy it. But that's <laughs> that's great, Christy. Thank you. And I know here in the science department, you'll probably make your own, but I'll be like going, I'll go to my local nursery and Thank be like, you. excuse me, do you know where the soilless soil is? The soilless soil. Well, right. they, if I say that, will they think I'm dumb? No, they won't. Okay, good. That's what I'm going to say then. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Let's have another pot play. It's Thanksgiving. So let's end the debate on what's better, canned cranberries or homemade. Happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. It sure smells good in here, Alexandria. That is so kind of you, Erin. Thanks so much for having me over. With all the craziness of the airlines these days, just couldn't risk flying home. Oh, it's our pleasure. Now, the kids are downstairs playing video games. Some folks are watching the game. Grandma Georgina is taking a nap, and I am just finishing setting the table. Oh, let me help. Oh, you have already been such a big help by bringing the cranberry sauce. I can't believe I forgot it. You bet. My pleasure. Of all things to forget, it is just the family favorite. If there is not any cranberry sauce, well, consider Thanksgiving ruined. (laughs) Well, I got it right here in this bag. I hope it wasn't any trouble and that you didn't have to go too far out of your way. Oh, not at all. I'm just so happy to be here. Wait, what is this? Why, it's cranberry sauce. This is not cranberry sauce. Sure it is. I made it myself from fresh cranberries. My secret is that I add a little orange zest. 
Where is the can? I'm sorry. I just assumed when you said you needed cranberry sauce, you meant homemade. Oh my gourd! I didn't know you were one of those. One of Erin? This is a canned cranberry sauce family. We eat our cranberry sauce out of a can. Every year at Thanksgiving, we open up the can, it makes that strange air sucking noise, and we put it on the plate, careful not to disturb the ridges. Then after we say grace, we slice it up. I don't know what to say, Alexandria. I come from a long line of homemade cranberry sauce people. When you make it from scratch, you know exactly what you're eating and you can control the sugar. Plus, you can make so many unique touches to make it personal. I like to add some orange zest. Yes, you said orange zest. Thanksgiving is officially ruined. Get out of my house. Oh, yeah? Well, I can't be friends with someone who doesn't appreciate homemade cranberry sauce. I spit on you and all that you are. Oh, for the love of William Shatner. Grandma Georgina? Give me that cranberry sauce. Just pour it into this tin can and presto changeo. Canned homemade cranberry sauce. Now, can we stop all this silliness? Nobody really likes cranberry sauce anyway. Sure, folks will take an obligatory spoonful, but most of it will sit in the back of the fridge until July when somebody finally decides to throw it away. That's true. I just threw last year's away. I am so sorry, Erin. I'm so sorry too, Alexandria. To be honest, I hate cranberry sauce. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Grandma saves Thanksgiving. Again. Now will someone make me a drink? Hey, Christy. Yeah, Leslie. Guess what time it is. What time is it? Mailbag time. Ring, ring. Okay, so we have a little letter from our friend Catherine Gray, and uh, she sent uh, this to us. I shall read it to you. Thank you. See, her comment was, worm poo show. Although I don't have my own worms doing their magic, I do always have worm castings on hand for all my new planting and always throw a couple of handfuls into the new plant's hole. Dig into the soil along with some all-purpose fertilizer before planting it in the garden or transplanting something potted to a new pot. All right, this is the part I like. Excellent show. <laughs> That's my part. Yeah. That's the part I like. I, I, sorry, I'm a terrible reader, but I have no idea what worm castings are. It means uh, worm poo. Really? So when worms are eating, you know, going through their life and eating soil and it passes through their body and then they poo it out. It's like worm manure. Oh. And it's excellent. It's excellent for your garden. Oh, that's why she wrote Worm Poo Show. Yeah. And so oh. she was bringing up a really excellent point that um, she's referring to a great show we had recently. This was um, but this was with Kathy from Kathy's Composters. This was episode 93 where we talked about uh, vermicomposting with worms. Oh. And if you want to go through the whole process of, of – animal husbandry and having your own worms you could which means giving your food scraps to the worms and they eat it and they will give you this wonderful worm poo to put in your garden or as Catherine says she just buys it so you just go to the store and you say i'd like some worm castings yes. please and they know what you're talking about yeah you can again you can get this at your big box store of course we recommend going to your local nursery mm -hmm. but leslie can even order on amazon and you could probably get like a good five pound bag for like 10 bucks Great. and do it exactly what Catherine just said, which she says that she throws a couple handfuls in a new plant's hole 
or she digs it along the side of an existing plant, or she transplants a pot, you know, and she puts some worm castings in there. It's excellent. But don't forget, folks, that uh, vermicompost is a good way to compost during the winter months when your outdoor compost pile is dormant. So oh. you can still, if you still want to um, have your own worms in your house, it's wintertime. It's a great time to do it. So what I have, if I wanted my own worms, let's just say I do. Yeah. Uh, would I have them in like a, I don't know, like a fish tank or something? It, and you just it's throw? Like a, it's like a, one of those Rubbermaid tubs. Oh. And you have to have a certain kind of worm, which okay. is called the red wiggler. Yeah. And, or you can order one of Kathy's. She's got these really cute worm composting bins. Okay, I'll put a link cool. in the show notes for it. Okay. And folks, you could check out that episode too. Episode, what did I say it was? I said it was episode 93, Squirrel Away, These Great Wormy Tips for the Best Garden. Excellent. Oh, Leslie, so many mistakes happen in the garden. We need some inspiration. All right, here's my inspiration. So I was, you know, tooling around on the internet like I do, and I came across a shirt, and the shirt was, it had all these, um vegetables hanging down there was like a purple carrot and a beet and a turnip and a yellow yellow carrot and a parsnip and um they were just hanging down in a row and the slogan said let's root for each other Aww. and they're root plants so i thought it was funny let's root for each other but what i really loved was let's root for each other yes these are terrible times it's like there's so much turmoil going on and it's like we need to root for each other even if it's just you know root for your friend's garden to grow or you know something where we're in this together oh i and love that and that was what i loved about it and i was like that's a really good shirt oh i didn't have my really size so <laughs> But, but I loved it. I do too. Well, friends, you've reached the end of another episode of Upside Down Tulips. We are Christy Montour Larson and Leslie O'Carroll. And if you got some laughs and some value out of this week's episode, could you do us a favor? Hit that subscribe, like, or follow button wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you so much to Denise Gentilini for composing and performing the Upside Down Tulips theme song. If you want more, go to denisegentilini.com or you can find that link at upsidedowntulips.com. Thanks to the many talents and kind heart of our dear friend, Edith Weiss. Thanks, Edith. And thank you to our excellent yet enigmatic engineer. Join us in two weeks for another episode where we will talk about what to do with those holiday plants people give you. Like poinsettias or Christmas cactus. I may need another cactus. Yeah, you might. And don't forget, if you make a mistake, your garden will forgive you. Even if Steve can't stop watering your cactus. Sorry, Sticky. Upside down to you.